It's coming on Christmas, they're cutting down trees, they're putting up reindeer and singing songs of joy and peace. I am Panicky in the UK, and this is Panicky Pictures. Ho, ho, ho! Whatever winter holidays you celebrate, or if you celebrate none at all, I hope this time is as joyful as it can be. Uh, But I grew up celebrating Christmas, and most winter holiday films are about Christmas, so that's what I'll be focusing on in this episode. Christmas can be a bittersweet time. I've noticed that a lot of Christmas songs from the middle part of the last century are more about the Christmas someone wishes they were having, an idealised Christmas that's somehow out of reach. White Christmas, have yourself a merry little Christmas, I'll be home for Christmas. That's how I feel about Christmas as an adult. I love it in theory, but it never lives up to those childhood memories. The sadness of Christmas is there right from the beginning. A heavily pregnant woman, an arduous journey, giving birth in a barn. Then one night of celebration and gift-giving, before the migrant family has to flee from a tyrant driven mad by having his power challenged. Thank goodness we don't have anyone like that these days. In what might be the quintessential Christmas story, A Christmas Carol, an old man reflects on the mistakes he's made throughout his life and the things he's lost. There have been infinite variations on the story. Even It's a Wonderful Life is a kind of inverted Scrooge story, about a man burdened by his good deeds, who has to be taught to have faith in them and in himself. That film has a suicide attempt in it. So does The Apartment, another Christmas and New Year story. A lot of Christmas films are sad as hell. In You've Got Mail, Kathleen Kelly loses her beloved chop at Christmas, and it feels like losing her mother all over again. In When Harry Met Sally, another film written by Nora Ephron, Harry and Sally have a big fight, and we see Sally dragging her Christmas tree alone through the snow with nobody to help her. In Last Christmas, a lonely woman realises that the man she's fallen in love with is a ghost. The saddest part of Meet Me in St. Louis is the part set during Christmas, hence the song. Tangerine and 1985 are both melancholy films set against a festive backdrop which touch on how lonely it can be to be queer at Christmas. And in Die Hard, well, you know what happens in Die Hard. A lot of people die. Hard. In these films, there are often anxieties tied up with Christmas. Not being able to afford food, shelter, medical care. Going bankrupt. Being isolated from the people you love or feeling like nobody loves you. And if there's ever been a year when those anxieties were at the forefront of all of our minds, it's this one. This might be one of the bleakest midwinters of our lives. At least I hope so. So, do we give up on Christmas? Are we being delusional by trying to make it happen? This is what Christmas does to people. We put too much meaning into it and it lets us down. We beg to differ. What are you doing back here? Saving Christmas. Everybody, point your magic Christmas weapons at it. Oh, brother. This is ridiculous. You are enabling a delusion. The delusion you're trying to cure is called Christmas, Duncan. It's the crazy notion that the longest, coldest, darkest nights can be the warmest and brightest. Yeah, and when we all agree to support each other in that insanity, something even crazier happens. It becomes true. Works every year, like clockwork. Okay, Greendale 7, you've won me over. I'm not ready to give up on Christmas just yet, and the way that I experience Christmas is through movies. If for the March sisters Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without any presents, for me Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without the Muppet Christmas Carol and It's a Wonderful Life. So in the spirit of togetherness, I invited some friends and family to talk about holiday films with me. 
These were recorded over Skype and the audio quality is a little bit variable, but hey, if it's good enough for Deacons, it's good enough for me. So, first of all, I spoke to my friends Ashley, Kenny and Nicole. Luca was also there. I don't know if we're friends yet because we don't know each other that well, but he chipped in a couple of times. So how have you been? Long time no speak. It's been like six days or something. I know, right? Since I had that epic win on the pub quiz. Yes, that was very cool. Congratulations. Thank you. I can't wait to use that voucher. Yeah, I know. One day when the pubs are open again. (laughs) 2022, maybe, kind of, that kind of area. So you've just been having mince pies, huh? Yeah. Well, me and Kenny had mince pies, and Luca had a mince pie, but Nicole turned her nose up at the mince pies. You're not a fan, Nicole? No, they're horrible. You know, I'm not actually <laughs> a fan either. Like, I, I'll eat them sometimes. I mean, if they're vegan, I'll eat them. But it, it always feels like kind of an obligation. They're really not my thing either. But is that a way that you get into the Christmas spirit, the mince pies, the Christmas food? Ooh. Um, I would say... For me, it kind of is. That and putting up the decoration, I suppose. We've just gone to deliver all our Christmas cards to our neighbours. Oh, um, that's really nice. I, I got a Christmas card from one of my neighbours, but I, I I meant to do it, but I've been avoiding the shop so much, I actually haven't got around to it, and I feel like it's a bit late now. Ah, make your own. Well, yeah, I did think about that, actually. I might still do that. Um, yeah. It's more personal, and they go in the recycling anyway, don't they? That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I decided they actually hate them. Oh. oh. <laughs> Ooh, we've just been watching The Grinch as well. Oh, yeah, we've just watched The Grinch. I watched oh. The Grinch at my last day of school as well. I think oh, very cool. Was by The Grinch. She wanted to steal Christmas. <laughs> well, that's that, fair enough. So, which Grinch was it? Was it the animated one, or was it the one with Jim Carrey? Do you know? The animated one. Is it good? I've actually never seen it. Yeah. Should I watch it? I, I haven't seen it either, actually. I've seen bits of it now. <laughs> Lucas seemed to enjoy it. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's Luca blowing a raspberry at Nicole because Nicole's riding Pluto. Uh, do you want to explain that a little bit more? <laughs> no, we'll leave that with you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so the Grinch, that's one Christmas movie already, and you were worried you weren't going to be able to think of any. <laughs> um, I've also just watched Jack Frost with Luca. Oh, um, wow. With um with that talking snowman. Mm-hmm. I, uh, that was pretty, quite touching. I'm sure I saw that as a kid. I really yeah. don't remember very much about it at all. Can you remember who the main guy is in that? Is it Tim Al? No, that's Santa Claus, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, snowman? Well, the ma- the main guy in it is is a snowman, so I don't know. Right. <laughs> I was talking about the actor, but uh, do you know, yeah, apparently, I, I believe I'm right in saying that originally um, that movie was going to star Jack Nicholson, so the snowman... Yeah, I see that, yeah was styled to look like Jack Nicholson, but then they had like him. Yes. So the I, snowman I, looks like Jack Nicholson, but then they recast him um, to whoever it is. Hey, so this is just me, panicky, popping in from the future to say it's Michael Keaton and Jack Frost. And um, I think I got it wrong about Jack Nicholson. I was thinking of George Clooney, I'm pretty sure. So that's embarrassing. I don't know how those wires got crossed, but... Anyway, moving on. I tried to watch um, what I thought was a cheery, Christmassy type film last night, but it was, um, well, me and Kenny did, but it wasn't. 
cheering yeah, all Christmas Eve. What was it? Um, a Star is Born. Oh, yes. The new yeah, one, right? It's actually quite sad. Yes, I have heard this. I've seen the Judy Garland version of that film, and I have been meaning to watch the Lady Gaga Bradley Cooper one for a while. Yeah, that, that's yeah nice. she's yeah. in it. Um, so, yeah, I thought, oh, this will be a nice, cheery kind of country. Oh. But no. <laughs> that's a shame. Yeah. Well, have you seen Scrooged? I know that's on Amazon Prime. Oh, I don't know. If it's Bill Murray. Yeah. No, I have to check that out. Yeah, it's worth a watch, I think. Um, it's good fun. I'm also I'm planning on watching The Night Before, which is also on Prime. I have no idea what it's like. I imagine it's not especially good. But uh, I'm saving my really good Christmas films um, until a little bit later. So I'm just getting the bad ones out of the way right now. <laughs> oh, you don't have to watch the bad ones. <laughs> well, you say that, but... Uh, I don't know. I've been. Tr- I don't know. It's my way of trying to get into the Christmas spirit. Is like saving the really good ones until you know the last few days and just kind of easing myself into it. Um, speaking of bad Christmas movies, actually. Um, <laughs> well, let's say this. I mean, we've known each other for nearly twenty years now. Um, since we were both, you know, minus two, right? Um, (laughs) and uh, we used to go to the cinema together pretty regularly Um, I think it's fair to say that we have quite different tastes in films no I like the really high quality ones Uh with all the the directors that are famous and Mm -hmm. well known for the arty films yeah so you know you like to play snakes on a plane well (laughs) I like the idea of snakes on a plane have you found it harder to get into the Christmas spirit this year, do you think? Me? Yeah. yeah, I think so. I never get into the Christmas spirit. It's well, too um, difficult. Is oh. it really? It's too well, stressful. <laughs> is oh. it? You just go around at the middle of the night giving everyone Christmas cards. <laughs> have to hang up tinsel that makes you sneeze. You have to hang up lights that blind you. You have to hang up bulbs. Right, let's go back a few things here. One, <laughs> stop putting your face in the Christmas tree. <laughs> Two, why are you sniffing the tinsel? And three, stop staring into the lights. <laughs> bah, humbug. You're so annoying, Mummy. <laughs> All right, well, as much as I, you know, I'm famously... <laughs> <laughs> a gifted family counsellor. <laughs> Nevertheless, should we try to pivot back to the topic of film? Oh, yeah, right. Um, All right. Our different film taste, yes. Our, our taste in films are very different. I like I like the film about where there's this little girl with a Jack Russell and then the Jack Russell goes yeah. missing and then there's that song, All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. Um, right. Is that... I don't know what that is. Ashley, do you know what that is? I think, I'm just trying to look, I think it is All I Want, all I want. All I want for Christmas is You. Is oh! All I Want for Christmas is You. Is that the name of it? Well, um, an, another film that that song features heavily in is Love Actually, which I know uh, is Ashley. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know, I think it's any sort of romantic, sort of comedy anything that's a little easy to watch and a mm. little bit kind of got that magic touch i quite like at christmas 
I totally I get that. I love actually quite a few times. I was thinking things like Notting Hill as well. I guess only Hugh Grant film. <laughs> well, look, I mean, I don't like Love Actually, but I actually watched The Holiday for the first time. Uh, it was two days ago. I didn't expect to like it at all. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, so, you know, I mean, I love a romantic comedy. Um, for me, like, You've Got Mail is a really Christmassy film. Um, it's not entirely set at Christmas. It's kind of over the course of most of a year, I want to say. But um, but there are a couple of, like, key scenes at Christmas. Um, so I always think of that as a really Christmassy film. When Harry Met Sally is quite a Christmassy film, I think. Um, just, again, it's like, you know, it's set over a long period of time, but it has Christmas scenes in it that are quite significant. Um, but, yeah, Love Actually isn't so much my thing. Um, I definitely didn't used to like it so much when I was younger, but I think I've probably watched it inadvertently, admittedly, but almost every year now. Because <laughs> it's always on TV. That's really interesting because I've actually only seen it once the whole way through. So I can't imagine that I would watch it now and suddenly like it, but. You know, I mean, who knows? It's always possible. You know, it takes like seven attempts to eat a food before you like that. So maybe if you watch it seven times. I don't think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but then you are a scientist, Ashley. So oh. maybe I should trust you. Yeah, trust me. Trust me, I'm not, a scientist. <laughs> yeah, you're not a food scientist, though, are you? Yeah, it, it counts, though. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm just not a big fan of Richard Curtis's later work in general, but I really like Four Weddings and a Funeral. Um, mm. Although that's not really a Christmas film. All right. No. Uh, Nicole, you mentioned Santa Paws. Is that still your favourite Christmas film? No, that wasn't my favourite Christmas film, but I do like it. All right. What What do, would you say is your absolute top favourite? All I want for Christmas is you. Oh, the one with the Jack Russell. Yeah. Yes. She changed her mind. All right. No, that's fair. No, enough. I didn't. That was always my favourite Christmas oh, was film. It? Yeah. I thought you said it was Santa Paws. No. Oh, okay. I said Things I also wrong. I said I also like Santa Paws. Oh, okay. Okay. Alright, Kenny, you've been very quiet. I'm um, Luca, trying to keep him um quiet. Oh no, I'm enjoying him uh, chipping uh-huh. in every so often. He's trying to climb up the lamp. <laughs> Does Luca have a favourite Christmas film yet, or has he not expressed an opinion? Not yet, I don't think. No. Fair enough. This will be his first year, I think, when he's really paying attention to the TV. Yeah. Oh, that would be exciting. Mm. How about you, Kenny? Do you have any, like, classic Christmas favourites that you'd like to get into the spirit, or are you more of a kind of take-it-as-it-comes? Yeah, I don't think I've got any particular favourites. I think, for me, um, the the definition of Christmas film would be anything that was kind of like in the, the Christmas edition of the Radio Times. Oh, yeah. Really with a Christmas theme, but I guess for for me it was always a lot of kind of James Bond Mm. and Superman, all that kind of thing. Um, Yeah. The time I would expect to kind of like see these films. um, No, definitely. Like, I have. By the schedule in the Radio Times more than anything. Yeah, like, I have Christmas associations with Gone with the Wind, even though it's not a Christmas film at all, because it seems oh, quite often to you and your mum once. Oh, uh, yeah, Christmas. that sounds right, yeah. It's the first and only time I've ever watched it. It's yeah, well, it's very long, and it's a problematic film, but it's also a classic, and, you know, it has a complicated legacy, and we can all admit that. <laughs> um, 
but uh, but no, absolutely. Like that's one I associate with Christmas because it always seems to be on the schedule at Christmas, even though thematically it really has nothing to do with Christmas at all. And I feel like The Great Escape is always on at Christmas Yay! as well. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. But no, Kenny, I totally agree. Like the Christmas radio times for me growing up was like the epitome of Christmas. It was like was a, that. yeah, yeah as soon as it's in your house, using the radio times. Yeah. Yes, and you'd circle the things you wanted to yes. watch. Yeah. Yeah. Any time we ever buy the radio time. In fact, yeah. that's what we need to do to start feeling faster. We need. Do you think it's out yet? Oh, I'm yeah. sure it is. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I was thinking that myself. Because I don't have a TV license and I now watch everything over streaming, there is absolutely no reason whatsoever for me to have a radio times. But I might get one anyway. Just you know, just for nostalgic sake. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because I really do think that it is, you know, it's it's the thing that makes it feel like Christmas. But yeah. I just feel like this year there are so many things missing that, and make, you know, maybe it's no bad thing to kind of simplify and, you know, kind of get down to basics and everything. A lot of the things associated with Christmas actually are very commercial and, you know, probably not great. Uh, the environment and all of that stuff but at the same time you know when you're so used to all these Christmas traditions and then you're in a situation like this where everything is just so drastically different than usual you kind of want some of those old comforting things to make you feel like things are just a little bit normal like snow snow. Uh, can you organize that for us oh i'd love to i'd love to but yeah we haven't had any up here either and i imagine it's well in theory it should be colder up here i would imagine than it is for you well because you're further north yeah that is how it works i mean i'm not crazy i was thinking more in terms of closeness you're right you're right on the coastline as well though so that probably yeah um Yeah, well, when I first moved up here, in theory, um, I had heard that it rains less here than it does in the rest of the country, but it has rained so much since I moved up here. It was a much joy to get you up there. (laughs) Yeah, well, I I wonder if I brought the weather with me, unfortunately. Hey, that's a song, isn't it? It is a song, but it's not a Christmas song. Let's stay on top of it. That's a good idea. Um, all right. Is there anything we've missed out? Oh, the Santa Claus you mentioned, Ashley. Right. Um, Nicole has just found another of her favourite Christmas films. Oh, okay. She, I think she wants to share it with you. No idea. Yeah. Oh, well, why were you pointing at it then? And I was telling you. Oh, you were telling me, but <laughs> um, Santa Buddies is one of Nicole's favourite films. As Santa well. Buddies. Do you want to tell me about it, Nicole? Uh, I can't remember, but I remember liking it. Fair enough. It's about five puppies that help Santa. The buddies. The buddies that help Santa. Oh, wow. So, Nicole, it seems like a lot of your favourite Christmas movies are dog-related. Is that, that like, a general thing for you, that you like things with dogs in them, or is that, like, a dog's Christmassy to you? I like things with dogs in them. They're more exciting than things with people. <laughs> I largely agree with you there. Um, so, Ash, have you kind of shared any of your, like, old favourites with the kids? Like, you know, like the Santa Claus and stuff like that? Or is it mostly new stuff they're watching? I don't know. I think it's it's probably mostly new stuff. I think the Santa Claus brings back fond Christmas memories for me I suppose mm. I, I think it's probably one of the first films I remember 
watching and enjoying and it kind of sticking in my head. I'm sure I watched stuff before that, but I think it did it come out in '94 or something, so it, it's probably one of my earliest Christmas film memories. Um, but no, I haven't actually shared it with them. I think I, I think I've made them watch The Snowman, mm. but not Santa Claus. I guess maybe I thought it was a bit older, but Nicole could certainly watch it now. Yeah. What's the consensus on The Snowman? Because that's one of my mum's favourites as well. She's definitely oh, going to be talking about that. Oh, it's just such a classic for me, The Snowman. Mm. Have you seen the new one, The Snowman and the Snow Dog? Oh, yeah. In fact, I've got a bookmark in front of me, actually, with a picture yeah. of The Snowman and the Snow Dog on it. What um, did you think of it? Ooh, I, I liked it because I liked the dog, but it, it's not quite the same. It doesn't hold the same Christmas, Christmassy memories for me, I suppose. Yeah, I totally agree, but I can't tell if it's actually anything wrong with the thing itself or if it's just because I don't have that nostalgia attached to it. Yeah. It's really think, hard to say. I think it could be that. I just, yeah, I remember watching Snowman every year. Mm. And I don't know the is it Alan Jones. Uh, yeah, yeah, the that, the, the whole, that whole flying snowman scene with the beautiful music and mm. it, it just take, takes me right to the Christmas spirit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, that was always a tradition in our house when I was growing up as well. Watch the um, the snowman every year. What about the um, the Father Christmas one, which was also Raymond Briggs? I think was that one that was uh, which one the, the yeah, there's a Father Christmas one as well. Uh, oh, I don't know. Yeah, fair enough. I was sure you mentioned it in your text. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> You're gaslighting me now. <laughs> uh, maybe um, I didn't. <laughs> maybe I didn't know what I was talking about. Are we forgetting anything? I think you mentioned Julia Donaldson. Oh, yeah. So all the Julia Donaldson kind of short films that come on at Christmas now. I, I think, mm. again, it, it being like what Kenny was saying with whatever's in the Radio Times over Christmas becomes yeah, like a Christmas. Following up in particular, like Wallace and Gromit films yeah. at Christmas as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness, yes. Like the wrong trousers and everything. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. Why we all eat cheese at Christmas? Because of Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we're well Maybe. stocked up on Wensleydale. Oh, uh, Wensleydale, Gromit. Yeah, the Julia Dance films. I think for me, anything anything animated, kind of childlike or infantile maybe, mm-hmm. and it kind of brings back the feeling of being a child at Christmas, I suppose, and yeah. recreate that magic that I felt. Yes. I think it's, that's what I'm looking for in Christmas films, is things that take me back. I totally agree, yeah. It's like there there are a couple of ones that I watch every year and they're ones that I've been watching since I was a kid. Yeah. And I think it very much is that nostalgia factor and that sense of wanting to kind of recapture childhood. I mean, obviously not for Nicole, because Nicole no. doesn't like Christmas. Um, the kids are the only true... Um, true critics here because um, everyone else is just harking back to whatever they watched as a kid yeah no it's so true <laughs> but, but I mean making decisions right now <laughs> yeah I mean I loved Christmas when I was a kid and I still do in theory you know it's just something that <laughs> it's it's different it's different as you get older yeah. um well again maybe not for you Nicole because you seem to be ahead of us <laughs> <laughs> but, 
for some of us, for some of us, Christmas was a time of joy and uh, magic back yeah. then. I remember a Christmas when I think I must have been about seven and hearing some bells on the roof and I was <gasps> so excited. Yes, I bet. It was the reindeer. My my mum did something. <laughs> can't prove it, but, you can't know, can't. It. I know yeah. it. I know it. Well, there's no evidence against it, right? Exactly. Apart yeah. from by evidence. You weren't there. <laughs> yeah, you weren't born, Nicole. <laughs> you weren't. <laughs> I was seven. You definitely weren't there. Yeah. Um, my mum did something. Um, we were house-sitting. Um, and this was... How do I put this? Um, this was a few... This was many years after... Um, I was a little bit sceptical about certain aspects of Christmas. Mm. Um, but my we were house-sitting for somebody over the Christmas period, and, you know, we just did the thing of putting out, like, biscuits and carrots mm. or whatever it was for Santa and his reindeer. And uh, my mum somehow managed to um, convince me that they had gone missing I think that we left, we left them out, and then we left, and then the next time when we came back, they were gone. And I had no idea how it could have happened, and she absolutely swore to me that she hadn't been back, you know. Yeah. Um, And uh, and she really managed to convince me, um, which is very sweet. Yeah. I think that she was maybe a little bit disappointed that my scepticism had arrived quite so young because I was about five when I became a sceptic. And I know. So uh, I think that she was trying to kind of recapture some of that magic. And it really worked, actually. It was very effective. So it was really sweet. It's it's that magic that makes Christmas going forward, though, isn't it? And I think if if you lose it too soon, that is quite sad. (laughs) I know what you mean, but I think I still loved Christmas, even though there were aspects of it that I, you know, didn't believe in. Yeah. You know, and I think in a way, you know, whether you believe in religious aspects or magical aspects of Christmas, Mm. you know, the real heart of Christmas is about generosity and, you know, love and togetherness and kindness and all of that cool stuff and that's all real you know that's and that's what i look for in a good christmas film (laughs) absolutely like love actually yes (laughs) love actually is all around us um well i think we may have exhausted our supply of um christmas films and christmas anecdotes perhaps (laughs) oh no we've got loads more oh yeah we need to go yeah, watch Kenny his, We need to go watch his dark material. Oh yes, of course. Merry <laughs> Christmas, everyone. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> All right. Thank you. No worries. Did you get anything useful there? Yes. Thank you cool. very much. <laughs> Please don't you? ever let me listen to it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Bye. Are we doing a quiz on Monday? If it's on. Fingers Actually, crossed. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Next, I spoke to my mum, Becky. She was an actor and theatre maker for many years and she currently works in a care home. Have you been getting into the Christmas spirit or um, have you been struggling? Uh, 
I I was struggling until today, and I was at work today, and um, some of the people at my work are starting to get into the Christmas spirit and wear Santa hats and stuff. Mm. And, um, uh, so, uh, yeah, and somebody gave me a Christmas present and a couple of Christmas cards and things like that. So uh, I am a little bit beginning to get into it. It feels different to normal, but yeah, I think it probably does for a lot of people this year, doesn't it? Oh, I would be amazed if there were anyone for whom it didn't feel different this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's completely unusual, you know, uh, for almost everybody anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, but but that the whole thing about Christmas spirit is really interesting. You know, you know when um, Danish people talk about hygge. You know that thing they do for winter and everything, and it, what people say the things I've seen is that hygge it's it's not a thing it's it, it's a feeling you know it's just mm. a, a sense of a feeling you know, and for me Christmas is the same as that it's like uh, every now and again there comes a point around Christmas time when I think oh wow I felt really Christmassy today, mm. and it's um quite often it's to do with having mulled wine actually, <laughs> but I haven't had. I haven't had any alcohol for weeks and weeks and weeks, so I haven't had any mulled wine. Um, sometimes it's about smells of things, isn't it? You yeah. Know? So, uh, it, uh, yeah, I just, I've had moments of that sort of thing, but nothing that I'd say definitively makes me feel Christmassy. However, tomorrow I'm doing a show at work for the residents, and we're going to have two real donkeys, petting donkeys. Oh, my goodness. I know. And one of the members of the staff is going to be Santa, and I'm going to be a character sort of, running the show you know mm. so the, the thought of that is I, I'm hoping that people will feel Christmassy and I will around that experience so definitely yeah yeah I mean for me it's um I, I I think there are certain things I mean obviously um this is the first year I've been up here at Christmas because um I've been living here just over a year but last year I came back over mm. Christmas um but, you know, I think kind of going to the, like, Christmas market and stuff like that um, was always a really big part of Christmas for me, or had been for a number of years at least. Mm. Um, you know, seeing the decorations of town. There's been a little bit of that, but, you know, not not to the same degree at all. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's been a little bit tricky for me. But then I think... Uh, I I always wonder if that whole Christmas spirit thing, because I love Christmas, you know, but I find it, I, do, I think I find it quite hard. I, w I just wonder if um, the Christmas spirit is something that exists more in theory than in practice, kind of, <laughs> as an adult. I, th I, I think, you know, for, for the last few years, I it's been something that's been a little bit difficult um, to, to grasp. Um, so... I, I wonder if there's something about this year, the expectations are lower, and maybe that takes some of the pressure off. I don't know. That's a very interesting thought, yeah. I, actually, I was talking to a friend about that and saying, in some ways, it's a real relief mm. <laughs> not to think, not to feel obliged to, oh, God, got to, got to do this, got to do yeah. that, got to go to this thing, got to go to that thing, you know. Because but, when you try to force it, it's never... You know, it's never genuine, is it? No, and and quite often, well, I don't know about you, but quite often when I've been doing those things, it's not that I haven't wanted to, it's that I've been knackered. Mm. It's like, oh, I've got to go to this thing, but I'm actually really tired and I've got to be doing X, Y or Z tomorrow, you know. I so think I, for me it's, you know, 
you you put a lot of pressure on it and then if it doesn't quite live up to your expectations it feels like a big disappointment you know yeah 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 um with christmas whereas this year i feel like you know there sort of are no expectations and i in a, in a way it's a little bit um i don't know disappointing but in another way it's sort of liberating it's getting right back down to basics and yeah, I don't know. I think it'll be really interesting and maybe make us appreciate it more next year or the year after that or, you know, mm, whatever it is that yeah. we're in a position to appreciate it again. But for me, certainly one of the ways, one of the big ways that I get into the Christmas spirit is watching Christmas movies um, very much. So I've been trying to watch a few. So the ones that I've been watching have all been new to me so far. I'm kind of saving the old favorites for a little bit closer to the day. How about you? Have you watched any uh, Christmas films so far this year? Um, There's been a couple on at work when I've been I'm trying to think. Oh, it's a wonderful life was on at work. Was on people was on the telly the other day when I was at work. I didn't get to only got to watch moments of it, but mm. just the fact it was on was kind of like, oh wow, you know. Yeah, um, definitely. I'm just trying to think. I, I'm sure I've seen it. I, wa- I watched Groundhog Day again. Oh really? Again, again, <laughs> again the other day. Yeah, which isn't strictly a Christmas film because it's a second. It's not at all a Christmas. Yeah, it's not at all a Christmas. However, film. it's a winter film. You know, it is. And yeah. um for some reason I kind of well yeah so Groundhog Day gives me a Christmassy feeling no matter what time of year I watch it I think <laughs> if that really makes sense that's really interesting um I I watch it every year on the 2nd of February actually more oh, or less you? I do yeah oh, that's amazing yeah I mean I love Groundhog Day but I oh, God, so do I. I, could, I can kind of understand I think how you would associate it with Christmas because obviously you know it's the snow and it's a celebration and it's Bill Murray of course who uh, was in Scrooge. Exactly. Yeah. I think I've done a really bad job of planning because in Munich the um, shops close. Um, <laughs> sort of bang on on 12 on christmas eve (laughs) it's well i mean earlier than that and i think it might have been over a weekend as well i can't remember exactly but i think i just hadn't got enough food in i hadn't realized how long the shops were going to be closed for and so uh so yes we sort of had to make do with a slightly meager i think we had i think we had cheese and tomato on toast it was one of my favorite christmas lunches ever I have to tell you, I really enjoyed it. I really, really did. It was just you and me watching North and South in your Munich bedroom with cheese on toast for Christmas lunch. I loved it. I mean, I think there is something immensely Christmassy about Bavaria. I think there's no doubt about that. The weather was certainly very... It was proper proper Christmas snow. Snow and everything, yeah. 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 Um, So, yeah, so, I mean... It was a sort of slightly compromised, but also really sort of, um, yeah, very Christmassy um, experience. And, you know, again, like maybe that's uh, maybe there's something to that, you know, that it's not about everything kind of going perfectly and um, kind of matching your expectations of what Christmas should be. It's, you know, um, it's it's more about. Yeah, it's just, just, it's just yeah, it's just the experience. I just found the whole experience just being with you and doing that there was just wonderful. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. It well, was really special. 
But no, definitely a very Christmassy city, I think. And I think that even when we kind of picture Christmas villages and Christmas markets and all of that kind of thing, that kind of chocolate box Christmas imagery that we have in mind, I think Bavaria is like it, it very much reminds you of that, just the kind of architecture. Oh, and the, the Christmas market in Munich was, I mean, with those, I mean, the the architecture was like a fairy story anyway. Yeah. So it's like the Christmas market around those squares was just incredible. Mm, absolutely, yeah. So, so yes, that was a very Christmassy time for sure. But uh, you talked about it's a wonderful life, and uh, should we should we talk about that? Because I know yeah. that that was one of the films that you sort of chose as a as a favourite. It is. I mean, I, I sort of feel like, oh yeah, duh, that's what everyone will choose. But I just have to say, it is. You know, it just does it for me. And um, I, I was trying to think, well, what is it? It's not that it's just, not because it's set at Christmas particularly, but there's just something incredibly feel good about it without it being too mawkish. Mm. You know, it's like um, uh, like the the Jimmy Stewart courtship of um, the Donna Reed character. You know, is um, it's Merrick. not all, it's not yeah, Murray, yeah, it's, it's not schmaltzy. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of quite edgy in some ways yeah and, absolutely and uh I'd, uh clarence yeah there are just so many the angel there are just so mm-hmm. many fantastic oh, i don't know heartwarming things about it but it yeah it somehow even though it's incredibly sentimental in a way it manages for me to kind of not be too schmaltzy or sentimental i think it has a reputation for being more sentimental than it actually is i mean it's I a think, happy ending but you know it, it's not that sentimental a lot a lot of the time it's quite yeah there are some quite dark not. yeah i mean i think that the kind of core of its wonderful life is this man george bailey who is entirely compromised throughout his life you know I mean, he's somebody who wants to explore, who wants to travel, who wants a different life. He doesn't want to be stuck in Bedford Falls. Exactly. And, yeah, his dream know, is just not realised through, you know, various, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the happy ending yeah. is not him getting to do all these things that he dreamed of doing. His happy ending is reconciling himself with the life that he hadn't realised how much he took for granted, I suppose. Yes, that's exactly it. Yes, exactly. Because it's lovely. When he when he comes back from, um, I want to be alive, I want to be alive, mm-hmm. he, um, uh, things like, you know, that the, their house is falling to bits and the, the yeah. thing at the bottom of the stairs that comes away, you know, mm-hmm. that he's like, he's delighted to see it again, the broken down house, you know. And um, yeah, Zuzu's pedals, Zuzu's pedals, pedals, exactly, absolutely. And I also think one thing that people bring up about It's a Wonderful Life is that Mr. Potter doesn't ever get punished, and I think that's kind of that's also a really important aspect of it. Is you know, I mean, Oscar Wilde said. uh, the good end happily and the bad end unhappily that's what fiction is or something along those lines didn't he and you know I think that what's really important about it to wonderful life is that it's not about punishing people it's not about uh, it's not about Mr Potter getting his comeuppance the point is you organize as a community and you come together in resistance of this 
capitalist who is trying to um, exploit you and evict you and ruin your life, you know? It is it is quite a radical film in, in lots of ways, actually. Well, it is. And I mean, you yeah. know, I think the thing about It's a Wonderful Life for me is that it acknowledges that there are capitalists out there who just want to exploit you and, you know, and want to undermine your efforts to organise for your community and to, you know, and to have this system of mutual aid in place. And they're not necessarily going to get their comeuppance. They're not necessarily going to have a change of heart. So it's down to ordinary people to come together as a community and to uplift each other, not to rely on this rich guy to have a change of heart. And you I know, the, there is one character in there, though, who I think, oh, that's pushing it a bit, which is the guy who's come to examine the bank. Mm. Do you remember? He's come to examine the bank. Oh, hat, he gives the money back. He he comes and puts the money in the hat and tears up the whatever, you know, so... Oh, uh, but I, that, I mean, I'm 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 willing to buy that. Me too. To that. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I love no, it. but you know, I think that it's really interesting, isn't it? Because in Dickens, and I always think of It's a Wonderful Life as being very much a kind of turning of the Scrooge story on its head, right? Because yes, yes, yes. That's you right. know, mm. George Bailey is kind of like an anti-Scrooge. He's somebody who's given his whole life to the service of other people. And who still doesn't feel like his life has enough value. And Clarence, you know, takes him on this journey through his past and his present. And then this, not a future, but an alternative present. And the alternative present that he shows George Bailey is not one where George Bailey is dead, as in A Christmas Carol. Scrooge sees his own grave and this is what, you know, uh, turns things around for him. George Bailey sees the grave of his brother. That's right. Yes, he does. You he know? would have died had George not saved him. I've yeah. forgotten that. Yes, that's true. Exactly. He would have drowned as a kid. Yeah, he yeah, drowned yeah. as a kid, and it's the same thing with the old pharmacist, and oh, you know, yes. George that, stops him that, from. Honestly, my God, every single time you get to that scene and he hits George on the ear, I cry my eyes out. Yeah. It really Absolutely. gets again, me every you know, time. I think this film has such a reputation for being sentimental and schmaltzy. And you think, really? No, not if the you look whole, at it. No, right, no. The whole premise of this film is a man who is driven almost to taking his own life. And mm. there's all this, you know, violence and compromise and death in the past and everything, yeah, you know. Yeah. But, you know, when he sees this alternative world, it's the world without him and... He sees all the good that he's done in his life, and that's what makes him value himself and his life again. Absolutely. You know? So Absolutely, it's really the yeah. opposite of Scrooge. And Mr. Potter, in some ways, would be the Scrooge figure there. But the film makes the point that, you know, you can't rely on rich benefactors to swoop in and solve your problems for you. You have to, you have, to have a sense of of community and solidarity with the people who, you know, are on the same level as you. And One of, one of my favourite scenes in it is when Potter calls George in to offer him a job and gives him a cigar, but he sits him on a really low chair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of psychology thing. I just love that. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think it's a really funny film, you know. I, I love the part where Donna Reed answers the, the, the phone and she's just had this kind of argument <laughs> with George and... Um, uh, 
you know, they want to marry each other, but George isn't sure because he wants to travel and he knows that if he marries her, he's going to be stuck in Bedford Falls and this, you know, old town. He wants to shake off the dust of this old town, you know. And um, so they're having this argument and then um, she gets a phone call and they all have this running joke where they all say hee-haw to each other. And she opened, uh, she uh, she answers the phone. She goes, "Yes, hee haw!" in this very kind of resigned uh, voice. And I just think that's so funny the way she yeah. delivers it. It's yeah, great. Yeah. And you know that party scene where they have the dance party over the swimming pool. That's so funny. Oh, brilliant! Brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a very full, funny. Stuff. It's really full of wonderful stuff. One yeah. of my favourite bits as well is when. Um, <laughs> There's a guy watching when they've got wet in the swimming pool and they're walking home and there's a guy on a porch watching them and he's saying, why don't you kiss her instead of talking her to death? <laughs> and he says, oh, you want me to kiss her, do you? And he, said, he says, oh, youth is wasted on the wrong people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great line. But it's, honestly, it's full of great lines like that, is, you know. It, it really is. is. It's, it is. It's, it's a very funny script. And I think that maybe people who are a little bit dismissive of it maybe haven't seen it or haven't seen it for a long time and aren't sort of remembering all of the kind of interesting like granularity of it because I actually think it's so much it's so rich there's a reason that it's a very popular film is because it's bloody brilliant (laughs) yeah absolutely absolutely it's a classic for a reason it really is exactly exactly um but you did also uh mention the snowman yeah Uh, so um Actually, uh, Ashley and I talked about the snowman a little bit as well. That was a bit of a classic in her house as well. Um, yeah, the thing the thing about the snowman. I mean, I think it's an absolutely beautiful piece. I really mm-hmm. do love it. But it, the reason that it's one of my favourite Christmas films is because it used to be on. I think it was five o'clock every Christmas day for years when you were little, mm. and it was. It was just one of our traditions to watch the snowman on telly, you know. We'd have lunch, clear up, do whatever we did in the afternoon, I can't remember. And But we used to watch the snowman, and it was a very... I just used to love sort of cuddling up with you and watching it. It was just one of those real beautiful, warm things to do with your child, you know. I absolutely adored it. So it's, um, yeah, it's a very cosy, you know, indoors on a cold day with a proper fire, you know, it's... It Definitely. just it ticks all the boxes for me. I absolutely love it. I've got very, very fond memories, you know. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of what Ashley and I were saying, that it's very much that kind of nostalgia factor, I think, that really mm. plays into what makes um, something a Christmas classic. And, you know, you're kind of saying that I think so much of Christmas as an adult is trying to recapture something from when you were much younger. Yeah. You know, true. because yeah. I think Christmas is always going to peak when you're at a certain age, which is probably before the age of 10 or 11, I would imagine. Um, mm. Something along, you know, somewhere around that. And maybe, you know, again, when you when you then have your own kids if you do then maybe yeah. that kind of you get to re-experience that a little bit but I think as a certainly as an adult without children I think that there's always a sense that you're maybe trying to get back to something yeah um, yeah chasing, so I think the, that chasing that, the Christmas dragon <laughs> yes no absolutely yeah. isn't it funny but it's so true um but you know I think that the the snowman for sure like so much of its appeal is to do with that nostalgia but um again quite a sad and dark story in some oh, ways oh it is oh, very yeah. bittersweet and I think that there's something to that you know that that Christmas 
Christmas isn't or shouldn't be all about, you know, uncomplicated joy and cheer and goodwill to all men, exactly. No, absolutely not. There's some kind of um, acknowledgement of the bittersweetness of, of life. And I think that that's maybe to do with it being this midwinter festival, you know, it's about trying to create something warm in the midst of, you know, the coldest time of the year and the yeah. darkest time of the year. And it's about acknowledging the coldness and the darkness while you try to create that warmth, you know? So mm, I think that there's really, yeah. there's really something to the bittersweetness of so many um, Christmas stories. Um, but uh, we watched, of course, The Snowman and the Snow Dog more recently. What, yeah. what were your feelings about that? Um, I can barely remember the snow dog. Um, it, it, um, yeah, it, it was just a different time. It didn't really, mm-hmm. t- it didn't really touch me particularly. It was, and that wasn't to do with the quality of the piece. You know, it was just the my, my heart didn't warm to it. That's mm. all, and and that's probably just to do with the time that I saw it. I guess, you know. I don't, what about yeah. you? What did you think of it? Uh, not very much. Yeah, no, it, it didn't do much for me, and I don't. And I don't know. I honestly can't remember it well enough to know if that, you know, what it was like as a piece. I honestly can't. Mm. But it just. No, I mean, again, yeah. that's something that Ashley and I kind of talked about, and whether it was anything that it did wrong, and whether it was just that it didn't have that nostalgia value of, yeah. um, you know, of of the original. Um, but. Uh, you also told me, I hope I'm getting this right, that you watched Meet Me in St. Louis recently. Is that right? Oh, at the Judy Garland. Yes. Yes. And I, when I was watching it, I was thinking, I know the song, Meet Me in St. Louis, 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 that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Meet Me at the Fair. Well, it's actually an Easter one, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, Meet Me in St. Louis, I never know whether to say St. Louis, which is how they say well, it in the song, they, they sing or St. Louis. They sing Louis in the song, don't they? Yeah, exactly. Louis. I never know. Yeah, so I, I never know whether to pronounce the title as St. Louis. They, I mean, they, they, other than the song, they call it St. Louis, obviously. Oh, do they? Anyway. Right, okay. Thought, yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter, does it? But yeah, uh, but yeah so the film is set over the course of uh, of one full year, if I remember rightly. Oh, that's right. So it is, so yeah. It, Next Easter will do it, this, that and the other. The Easter Parade, yeah. Yeah, so it kind of goes over the course. I, I think it's split into four sections, and it's kind of spring, summer, autumn, and winter. Yes, that's or yeah. something, something that's along those lines. Yeah, Are you saying you you thought that you hadn't seen it um, before, or not all the way through? So when was I it was a wa- new one? When I, when I was watching it, I thought this isn't the film I thought it was when I started watching it. Yeah, I, I, I think I was probably thinking of the Magnificent Ambersons or something. I don't know what. Oh wow! <laughs> I know, which I love as well. But um, yeah, I mean, I loved it, but. Um, Yes, as I say, it wasn't the film I thought I was going to be watching. But um, yeah, Judy Garland. Oh gosh, yeah, she she can she can do little wrong in my eyes, really, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I think Judy Garland is great, but I also think Margaret O'Brien is great as a little Tootie. I mean, Tootie might be my favourite thing about that film, actually. Is that her sister? Yeah, the little girl. Yeah. I think now, she's. I've, I've got a feel. Yeah, Margaret O'Brien. Yeah, she. She was amazing that as a mm. child actress. I don't know if she she grew into an adult actress, but yeah, she was she was fantastic. 
Yeah. She is brilliant. And she was in um she was in the version of Jane Eyre that had um Joan Fontaine and Orson Welles in it. Um she played Adele, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that version. It's probably my favourite adaptation of Jane Eyre, partly just because have, it's got... I'm pretty sure I have seen it, but I don't remember it very well. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you put Joan Fontaine and Orson Welles in a movie, there's not much chance that I'm not going to like it, so, you know. Yeah. But no, I think Margaret O'Brien is really great. I think she's, you know, um, one one of the one of the all-time great child actors, really. Um, and I think she really makes that movie. I mean, Judy Garland is fantastic, and I think it's incredibly poignant, the um, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas scene. Um, and I think that's that scene being pretty much the best thing about the movie is why I think a lot of people so often remember it as being a Christmas movie. And, of course, because that song also had such a kind of abiding, um, you know, legacy that it's still... Uh, you know, a kind of favourite Christmas song. See, I think a lot of a lot of people think of things like The Sound of Music and Wizard of Oz as Christmas movies because they're shown at Christmas or used Absolutely, to be. Absolutely, yeah. Know, when when it was just terrestrial telly, you know what I mean? So. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, again, that's something that Kenny was saying that you know something like you know James Bond or I was saying Gone with the Wind, you know stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Just or The Great Escape, you know, that gets put on every year. Yes, but of course, it's all. Yeah. It's all changing now, isn't it? I mean, I don't, I don't watch any terrestrial TV. It's all, you know, it's all um, sort of uh, selected by me, and I find that harder in a way because I used to quite enjoy just flipping through TV channels and coming across some rubbish made-for-TV Christmas movie and just kind of leaving it on. Uh, but also, um, there's something quite. Uh, there used to be something quite nice also about kind of. Oh, it's only five minutes. Quick, make a cup of tea. Yeah. You know, uh, do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, quick, quick, Definitely. quick! It starts. It's starting. You know. Yeah, I. I, I I'm know not what saying you mean. I wish those days were here again, but there, there was something really nice about the anticipation. You know. It is different. It's absolutely different. But you know, I mean, I, I've actually tried to watch some of those made-for-TV Christmas movies on streaming because there are tons of them on Amazon Prime, and there are a few that Netflix made that are sort of the equivalent of that. But when I put them on, when it's my choice to watch them, I just, you know, they they can't hold my attention because I know there are so many better things that I could be watching that I could choose for myself to put on and it's a waste of my time. Whereas if they just come on on TV, I feel sort of justified in just kind of having them on and having that sort of, um, you know, slightly guilty enjoyment of them if we're allowing guilty pleasures to be a thing you know oh well I, I don't think they should yeah well, well personally i wouldn't call them guilty i wouldn't be guilty that's all i just i just enjoy them <laughs> well i enjoy it. Anyway. I, I have a lot of i have a lot of crap things in my life that i enjoy so i, I try not to be guilty about them i think <laughs> fair enough but you know it's like you know when, when you're seeking out a rubbish made for tv christmas movie and putting it on it feels a lot different than just kind of chancing across it on TV. And yeah, thinking, yeah, definitely, you know. definitely, definitely. And it really doesn't have the same feeling to it. Yeah. So I can't really watch them, even though, you know, actually, you know, I used to really enjoy them. So I'm trying to um, pick things with slightly higher quality, although, uh, well, um, my choices have been mixed so far this year. But I am, I am working up to 
some of the old classics. So, you know, It's a Wonderful Life and A Muppet Christmas Carol are the two that, for oh. me, really kind of make Christmas. Those oh, are the Muppet two big Christmas ones. Muppet Christmas Carol is fantastic. Absolutely. It's just it's absolutely great. brilliant. I think it's Michael Caine's finest performance. Well, I think it's my favourite Christmas Carol. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It is mine. Too. I mean, it's obviously the one I'm most familiar with. And again, that, the one with the most kind of nostalgia factor. But, you know, I, um, yeah, absolutely. It's my favourite. And the songs are great. You know, oh, it's that, I mean, wonderful. I just love it. Apart not from the rat, maybe rat, not the rat. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for making me a part of this. <laughs> Um, you yeah. know, I think apart from maybe when love is gone, um, there isn't a dud on the soundtrack, and that gets cut out of quite a lot of versions of the film as well. Um, you know, I just think it's great, and you know, some people are very attached to the kind of um, earlier Muppets movies and don't really like the Brian Henson ones, but I love them. I have to say, and again, you know, maybe it's about just being the right age, obviously being a kid in the '90s when they came out, but. You know, they really work for me, and certainly Muppet Christmas Carol, I think, is an all-timer. Um, oh, absolutely, so. yeah. Yeah, no, from, I just absolutely love it, yeah. Yeah, and again, like, if a Christmas goes by where, for whatever reason, I don't get a chance to watch it, it almost feels like it didn't happen, you know? Um, Have you got so I'm gonna make... to it this year? Well, um, I think what I might do is splash out and get myself a month of Disney Plus because that's the only place that it seems to be streaming. Do it. But, you know, Go for yeah. It. And, yeah. you know, it's sort of, it. it's worth it because it's not much more than the price of renting a film, and there are loads of films that I can watch on it for that yeah. month. Oh, so. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. So even, that, even just for Christmas Carol, you know, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. So that's going to be a little Christmas present to myself, is I'm probably going to um, splurge on that on Christmas Eve, and that's going to yeah. be my Christmas Eve treat, I think. Um, yeah. And then, of course, we've got It's a Wonderful Life on DVD now. I have it. Because last year we couldn't find it, remember? Yes, I do remember. We went and bought it. Yeah, because, um, for, uh, well, we were sure that we had a copy of it, but we just could not find it anywhere. No, it's weird. So, so you, you've got that with you, haven't you, at the moment? I have yeah. got it with me. So we'll have to figure out some kind of custody arrangement, I suppose. <laughs> I think I believe it's on I believe it's on television and you do have a TV license so I'm sure you'll have a chance to watch it. I'll find a way. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. No, any, it's been really nice any, talking to you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Is there anything that we've forgotten to bring up? Um, I don't think so. No. Right. Just a Merry Christmas everybody. Well actually what I'm saying to people this year is I hope you have a really quiet Christmas and a very healthy <laughs> 2021. <laughs> oh, let's hope. Let's keep our fingers crossed for that. Yeah. Finally, I spoke to my friend Johnny. We studied together at Leeds University and now we're both separately doing postgraduate film courses at the same time, quite a few years later. Uh, it's been a while since I had a chance to catch up with Johnny and we got off topic a few times, which was mostly my fault. Um, I've edited this conversation down, but I might release a longer version in the new year as a bonus episode because we talked about some fun stuff. Um, I think I recorded this on the wrong mic, so I'm sorry if it's extra tinny. Anyway, I started off by asking him his thoughts on the new Taylor Swift albums and we kind of segued into holiday film talk from there. I'm... um. 
I'm thinking of getting a month of Disney Plus on Christmas Eve so I can watch um, Muppet Christmas Carol. Cause, um, cause Did you I hear got... about that, the thing of the footage? No. So you, you know, I don't know if we've talked about it, but you know that the song, the, the famously missing song? Yes, uh, When Love Disney Is Gone. Movie. Yeah, that was like released on VHSs but wasn't in the theatrical yeah. version and has never been put on the HD versions because they lost the original film. Well, recently it has been found. They found the original footage in film. So they are supposedly restoring the whole thing oh with, with the song in, which, um, which I think is great because that's kind of, you know, how I first heard of the film. And when you know it's there and then you watch it, it does feel like a slightly awkward edit. Yeah, uh, it is an awkward edit because it, it shifts to um, Gonzo and Rizzo crying and it feels yeah. really, abr- it, like, it so, feels like they're crying at nothing, really. Yeah. Yeah. And um, also, there is another melody later in the film, which is a kind of like reprise of that melody. Yeah. And it doesn't like resonate as well without yeah. it. But at yeah. the same time, I do kind of think it's the worst song mm. on like of the film. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 A, a song that stands on its own, but it, it, in a weird way, feels kind of like you still need the scene. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I agree, I agree. I, I always felt that when they cut to, um, yeah, Gonzo and Rosé crying, it was always like, why? Why are you crying? And yeah. then when I realised it was because that song had been cut out, I was like, oh, right, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was, I was just going to say that I, um, I'm going to watch the folklore documentary once I get it. Oh yeah, that was fun. I mean, it's basically just a performance in the studio for songs, but in between she kind of talks about the inspiration for them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it goes down very well. I don't know if there'll be an Evermore one, but you never know. I hope so. Um, but we kind of, um, we already kind of have uh, naturally segued, I guess, into talking about Christmas films, which is cool. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, okay, I'm curious, right, because a lot of people, when I talked about this idea for an episode, they were kind of like, oh, man, you know, like, I... I can't think of any holiday films that I watch every year or whatever, which I was really surprised by. Like, I thought it would be much more of a tradition for people to have certain films that they watched. I guess, like, that's just a kind of thing that is the case in my house um, that I took for granted and thought was more universal. Um, Yeah, so I was just, like, I was kind of surprised when you were saying that you weren't sure you would have to have a think about what films to talk about, because... I kind of thought you'd be more like me, that you would have these kind of classics that you watched every year. But are you do you kind of try to watch new stuff? Yeah, I think because the end of the year um, coincides with lots of new films coming out and mm-hmm. also my uh, wanting to rank and list all my films of the year. Right. It's like this is the time where I want to like watch all the films I've missed out on. And so my priority is usually like working through that list so I can kind of get to the end of the year and watch the films of that year I want to see. Um, There are some holiday films I do really like, but I'm also not one who really repeats viewing of films that often anyway. So a film like It's a Wonderful Life, for example, I really like that film. And I have gone to see it in the cinema maybe two or three times um, as as something that has, has been a bit of a tradition. But I haven't seen it for maybe 10 years now. What? Uh, so, so, you know, it's like I, I like it, but I don't know if there'd be that yeah. much to talk about. And then there are some which I feel like 
I hear people talk about really liking, but mm. I, uh, as you know, I did watch Muppet Christmas Carol as a child. I do think that's a great film, but like Home Alone, for example, yeah. for the first time, maybe five years ago, I'd seen the second one as a kid, but not the first one. I saw it about five years ago and I was just like, I know this might have worked if I was five years old, but it doesn't really work for me now. Um, I've seen a bit of Elf and I thought it was a bit creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, very boring discourse, discourse about uh, Die Hard being a Christmas movie. I love Die yeah. Hard, but I've never watched it at Christmas time and I haven't seen it again for many years. So, yeah, I guess that's why I found it a bit difficult. That's really interesting. Okay, so what I will say is I don't think I have ever once seen Home Alone the, the whole way through. And if I have, I don't remember it, really. Um, Elf I saw fairly recently. Didn't really think that much of it. Um, Die Hard, yeah, I mean, I do think it is a Christmas movie, but I also think you can enjoy it at any time of year. I don't understand why people get upset about it one way or the other. That's the thing that confuses me about Die Hard. It's like, to me, yeah, obviously it's set at Christmas time. The whole reason he's in L.A. is because of a Christmas party. There are, like, Santa references, all of this stuff. Like, to me, yes, there's a Christmas setting. Christmas is part of the plot. It's a Christmas movie. But at the same time... I don't understand why that bothers people. Like It's really weird. It feels like there was, I don't know if this has always been the case, but it feels like maybe 10 years ago, someone on the internet pointed out, oh, did anyone ever think Die Hard's a Christmas movie? Yeah. We're like, oh, yeah, I guess it kind of is. And I feel like that's the end of the conversation. I don't know what comes up like every year and then becomes a bit of a weird discourse. Like, does it really, like, I don't know how you can really argue strongly that it is not and does it really matter I don't. that's exactly how I feel about it I do not understand why it seems to be this recurring thing that comes up every single year that people really care about like can we just in- it's set at Christmas so you can take it as a Christmas movie or you can say it's not really about Christmas or like who cares man mm. there are so many yeah. more interesting things to talk about and I guess I feel the same way like just about the unending superhero movie discourse that is just like all anyone wants to talk about right now Mm. um that i just find exhausting um Mm. it's like there are other films being made guys or like there are more interesting things to have a discussion about like i don't understand why this is the one topic that everybody feels like they need to talk about but anyway Mm. um no but um i've actually so i've been saving my kind of tried and true christmas classics for the last few days um so i'm just going to start tomorrow with scrooged and then muppet christmas carol then it's a wonderful life then maybe you've got mail on boxing day um so i have been watching a lot of new christmas films i don't think there have been any that have really like knocked my socks off um the one that i enjoyed most probably and this was a huge surprise to me was the holiday i did not think i would like it but i did um so what can i say um Although I haven't seen it, but I am still shocked that you like it. I know, I know. I mean, you know, like, I, I like rom-coms, but I didn't think I would like that one. Um, mm. I, I really, like, I, I, yeah, I was seriously surprised. I mean, don't get me wrong, like, there are major issues with it, and I'm not going to deny that for a second. Um, but, yeah, it just worked for me. I don't know what to tell you. Um, uh, that Cameron Diaz's character is, like, a bit insane or something? Yeah, yeah, she is. Um, well, she can't cry, although you can't cry, right? So 
I mean, sometimes, but not as, much, not as many as some. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think that that makes her insane, but basically, like, she had this huge trauma as a teenager that means she can't cry, and her huge trauma was that her parents divorced, and not even, like, a really bad divorce or anything. <laughs> they just split up. And she was 15, and um, ever since then, she hasn't been able to cry because it was so, like, deeply upsetting for her. Um, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, she's very, she's very odd. She's very uptight. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and yeah. And then the Kate Winslet character is kind of like, well, at first I thought they were kind of making her, they were trying to make her out to be ugly, which really bothered me because obviously Kate Winslet is gorgeous. Um, I know that, like, uh, by some people's standards, whatever, but, like, to me, Kate Winslet is just, like, incredibly beautiful, so um, I can't really get behind that. But then I think the film itself is kind of deconstructing this idea that that's more of, like, a narrative she has about herself than it is the reality. Um, So, yeah. Interesting. Is it, and so is it, they got, is the holiday that happens, like, the Christmas holidays then, is that why it's a Christmas movie? Yeah. Right. Um, so I think it's a double meaning because for Kate Winslet, who is English, it is a holiday in that she goes on holiday. And for Cameron Diaz, who is American, it is a holiday because it's Christmas, which is a holiday in like, you know, American English dialect. Yeah. Um, so I think that it's a deliberate double meaning. Um, but yeah, they swap houses. So they go on holiday for the holidays kind of thing. Okay. Um, anyway, but I, actually, I would actually quite like to see it um, if I can get my Wi-Fi work. Is it? It's on Netflix, isn't it? It is. It's on Netflix and Amazon Prime, I think. I somehow. How the rights for that happened, but anyway. I know. I know. I was surprised too, but it seems to be. And um, was the film you mentioned was it Scrooge or Scrooged? Scrooged. Is that is that a Woody Allen film? No, it's Bill Murray. Why did I think it was a Woody Allen film? I don't know. Um, no, it's, I mean, look, I don't know if it's good per se. I mean, it, you know, it's Bill Murray doing his kind of Bill Murray shtick, and I actually think it's great, and it's got Karen Allen in it, who I love. Oh, my God, she's amazing. Um, I, I I think it's pretty good, actually. I mean, it's just a, it's just an updated Scrooge thing. It's like, you know, a ten a penny. There's one with Whoopi Goldberg, I want to say, as well. Um okay. Which I think I saw as a kid. I don't really remember that well. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't tell if I like it because I have positive associations with it, or whether it's actually like good, good. But I, I would, I would recommend it. I think. I think it's worth watching. And it's you know, I mean, Bill Murray is always a kind of likable screen presence, and Karen Allen is Karen Allen, and you know. Um, oh, and it's Carol Kane as well, isn't it? And um, oh, oh, she was in. Yeah, do you know who she is? Yeah, and Alfred Woodard. That's cool. Oh yes, yes, yes. It's a good cast. I mean, yeah, I would, I would give it a go. Cool. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah. So you watched, um, you watched a couple of queer movies, which is cool. Um, th- there aren't enough of them, really. I don't think. I mean, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, like, the queer movies that I associate with Christmas are, like, 19... I don't know if you've seen these. You've probably seen Tangerine, I guess. Um, Actually. 
Really? No, I, I would like to. I didn't know that was set at Christmas. It is, yeah. Um, I mean, I thought it was a little bit, I mean, it's really interesting. And obviously the kind of, um, like, the production angle of it is interesting. Um, I didn't quite get the hype, but, you know, I mean, it's definitely worth watching. Um, and then the other one is 1985, the Yen Tan movie. I don't know if you've seen that. The which one? The 1985. Um, and the director is Yen Tan. No, haven't seen it. I mean, it's great, but it's like heartbreaking. It's so sad. Um, I mean, it's a queer movie and it's set in 1985, so you can probably like guess where that's going. Um, it's like uh, it's got Michael Chiklis in there, and um, oh this man, is, yeah, I can't. I've literally never heard of this film, but um, sounds interesting. It's. I mean, it's a great movie, but it's like it's not like a warm and fo- like I when I when I like want to watch christmas movies i want to watch like warm and fuzzy like Mm. happy christmas movies and neither of those are that Mm. so like i was curious because um i haven't seen happier season um like i was really interested to see it but i just kind of i can't really justify like doing premium vod because that's like a month of a streaming service for me so Mm. you know what i mean like I, i feel like i can't really like fit it into my budget even though I would have liked to and you know I mean I would have spent a fiver on it going to the cinema and spending more than that to watch it at home like feels mm, I don't know but um like I definitely would have been interested in that but I've heard really mixed things about it Mm. so what was your how did you feel well um I think, but by the way, that's fair enough, and I'm sure that it'll be on Prime properly by next year anyway, so, so. you can make 2021 Christmas movie. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, Happy Season, it's interesting because I, uh, it's kind of being touted as like the first sort of queer Christmas rom-com movie, um, which is interesting when we get onto Home for the Holidays, which I yeah. also kind of is a very similar um, a similar concept in certain respects and is 25 years old. But Happiest Season, I, it felt to me like it was very formulaic, like you could sort of see every story beat very clearly, which is kind of okay. Um, I didn't have a huge problem with that. I just feel like if you're going to make a rom-com that is quite formulaic like that, I think it just needs to be funnier. And mm. I just think the script was funny enough like you've got um the awkward family so uh i don't know if you know the story Kristen stewart goes to her girlfriend's family for christmas she finds out on the way that they that uh, her girlfriend hasn't come out to her family Mm. um and Kristen stewart doesn't like christmas and she's also an orphan her parents died when she was in her teens um so she didn't even want to go in the first place, but then she was sort of roped into going, and then she finds out that she's basically going to have to go back in the closet for this uh, for this holiday period because her girlfriend wants to wait until after the holidays to finally come out to her parents. So, um, and then the family are portrayed in this kind of conservative way, but not in a very defined conservative way and they're quite extreme in terms of like they you know it, it it's awkward and they're a bit rude and a bit over the top but not in a way that's kind of funny enough yeah it feels like they've got a great cast but the script isn't just quite giving them enough 
to work with. Like Alison Breed plays this kind of slightly snooty sister who's really rude, but just comes across as really rude, but not in really a funny enough way, despite Alison Breed's best efforts. Mm-hmm. And there's a really weird scene where they try and do this comic set piece where she gets sort of arrested at a mall because they think she's shoplifting and the mall cops are being all uh, doing this over-the-top interrogation skit thing, which just mm. isn't that funny. And yeah, so I I I, I felt what, what it had going for it is I felt like the uh, relationship between them was quite heartfelt. And I know a lot of people have had a problem with the fact that... Um, uh, in this in this story, Kristen Stewart meets Aubrey Plaza, who is the ex of her current girlfriend. In yeah, I've I've been aware of this. Uh, yeah, been. and everyone's like Aubrey Plaza. She should have ended up going off with Aubrey Plaza because Aubrey Plaza was really cool, and that is fair. And Aubrey Plaza is great in it. Um, but I I think that some people have been maybe been a bit unfair to. Um, the girlfriend character. Um, yeah. I keep forgetting who she's played by, but it's it, Davis, Davis. Yes, that's right. Um, and there's a great scene with Dan Levy um, towards, you know, in the second half of the film, where um, you know, Kristen Stewart's like, you know, I've had enough of this. I don't want to go back in the closet, and you know, she's just not being honest with me. She's acting really strange. And Dan Levy is like, what did your parents say when you came out to them? Um, and she said. Uh, that they would always love me and they were amazing and they gave me a hug or whatever and Dan Levy's like okay well my dad kicked me out of the house and I didn't speak to them for 10 years and very much like saying to Kristen Stewart you know the coming out journey is different for everyone and yeah. uh, people can't be pushed into it they need to have time to to kind of get there um, which I thought was like a very true to life um, scene that kind of got to the heart of things and you know, contextualized Mackenzie Davis's character and made made her actions, which are quite awful in some ways, certainly more forgivable. Um, and so I didn't really have a, a problem with with the story going the way it did. I just felt like I wanted it. I wanted it to be funnier. I, yeah. I wanted it to be a bit sharper in terms of the script, um, especially if it's going to to hit every story beat you expect. You kind of want to have a bit more of a laugh with it. Home for the Holidays, which I, I mean, Happiest Season I haven't seen, but I've seen a lot about it, whereas Home for the Holidays I know almost nothing about. So um, tell me all about it. So I first heard of this a few weeks ago because someone tweeted about it or something, and I looked it up and I was like, how have I never heard of this film before? Uh, 90s film, Holly Hunter, Robert Downey Jr., Anne Bancroft, directed by Jodie Foster, celebrated director of The Beaver. <laughs> Yeah, great film. Uh, Claire Danes is in it as a young one. David Strathairn is in it. It's uh, it's it's. I was just surprised I'd never heard of it, and it yeah. seems to have like a bit of a cult following. Um, by that I mean people I follow on Letterboxd have given it quite good ratings. So I thought I need to watch this. Um, and basically it is so it's a Thanksgiving uh based film rather than Christmas just put that out there Mm -hmm. Um, but the storyline is is that um, Holly Hunter plays Claudia who um, who lives in Chicago Uh, she's a single mom uh, to Claire Danes um, and at the beginning of the film she works as an art restorer in a museum at the beginning of the film she gets fired has an awkward kiss with her boss who's twice her age just after getting fired 
and then has her daughter take her to the airport where she's visiting her parents for, the, for Thanksgiving. And her daughter announces, by the way, mom, I'm going to lose my virginity while you're away. Uh, <laughs> bye. And then uh, that's kind of it. And, and Holly Hunter gets on the plane and it's an awkward plane ride where she's next to an, uh, an awkward passenger. And it's very much like, you know, she's this slightly neurotic life falling apart around, uh, falling apart around her a bit. And everything's quite sort of broad. And you think, I, I know what this film is. I'm happy with it, but I kind of, I know where it's kind of going. Um, and then she gets to her family and um, Anne Bancroft is the mother um, and her brother is played by Robert Downey Jr., who is this slightly manic prankster uh, gay guy. Wow, uh, really, really yeah. pushing the boat out there, Rob. For sure. And there were, <laughs> do you remember that Mark Hermit review of Iron Man, where he did the impression of Robert yes. Downey Jr.? Going, yes. <laughs> it is Robert Downey Jr. in that mode, for sure. I mean, uh, I love him, by the way. I, like, yeah, I, mean, but, I, you know. I, I quite like him, and I, I don't know what was going on in his life at the time that he was sure. making this film. I'm not sure. I'm not sure necessarily whether it is a performance I was totally in love with, but as a character, I thought actually, as we'll get on to, kind of quite layered and quite interesting. Um, but the thing is, as she gets to the family, there's sort of a lead up to a Thanksgiving dinner, and she's with her brother, and uh, her brother's her brother has um uh, is is with this other guy played by Dylan McDermott who Holly Hunter assumes is his new boyfriend but is quite surprised because last time she heard about it Robert Downey Jr had this uh longer term partner who's just seems to have disappeared and she's not sure what's gone on with with that and um her mum and her dad are a little bit neurotic about various things and her dad's you know health is failing a little bit uh she's got this aunt played by Geraldine Chaplin who seems to maybe be suffering starting to suffer from dementia or Alzheimer's um, and it leads up to this extended Thanksgiving dinner that ends up with um, a lot of fighting there's uh, Holly Hunter's sister comes in there's, there's the three kids the sister comes in and she's quite homophobic and has got a really uptight husband um, and there's lots of arguments and recriminations and then this sort of extended aftermath um, and I'm not really describing the plot very well because actually there's not much plot to it. And what I found interesting about this film, just as a film, is that it 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 almost feels like not quite this extreme, but it almost feels like a Mike Lee film. You know what I mean? Like if Mike Lee made this family Thanksgiving meal, because it has quite an authentic, messy sense to it. There's not really much, you know, plot points that kind of begin mid begin continue and end with like easy sort of finishing points you'd really get a sense that you're having a you see a snapshot of these people's continuing lives and you know nothing really gets resolved or tied up properly um but there are some moments of kind of poignancy and sentimentality towards the end which just feel quite real and quite heartfelt um so it was interesting i did i looked it up afterwards and apparently there was a long period of um, you know, rehearsal and improvising and going over the script a lot. I just read that apparently the th the central Thanksgiving scene took ten days to shoot and uh, involved sixty four turkeys and twenty pounds mm. mashed potatoes. Uh, <laughs> so um, you know, and you can sort of tell because it has that air of like it feels very natural, but you can tell they've really worked they've really worked on it in the way that 
you were done like a play. So, um, yeah, I it wasn't perfect. I thought that the, the Dylan McDermott character who becomes this sort of love interest is slightly kind of creepy rather than charming. Um, but but it was really well acted. And yeah, like I said, had some some moments that was slightly moving. Um, and in terms of the, the kind of sexuality uh, aspect of Robert Downey Jr.'s character, um, you know, there's the way that the parents deal with it, which is they they obviously know and they're sort of accepting, but they don't really acknowledge or yeah. ask questions. Yeah. I feel like that was quite a nuanced observation, the way that they're sort of like deflecting. And Robert Downey Jr.'s character is this over-the-top prankster character, and it feels, as you get along, like that's a bit of a defence mechanism as well. Um, and then when the kind of homophobic sort of third child comes in, um, you kind of, it, it puts this new dynamic to what the, what his position is in the family, which I found uh, quite interesting. And um, I don't know, I found, as a portrayal of like a gay person going home for the holidays, and considering it was made in 1995, I, there were certain amounts of layers and nuance that I was quite surprised at, which even if less a big less a part of the film the holiday, uh, happiest season was maybe a little bit more interesting i think that the the kind of the classic if you want to say hollywoodized version of like a coming out story uh it, it does feel like it it affects the way that society views coming out and because mm. made in the mid 90s where you know it was just less part of the cultural wider conversation, I feel like. But, you know, he has come out to his family, um, but it's just like, it's a little bit of a hush-hush subject, even though yeah. the parents, as we see throughout the film, um, do actually accept it. Um, but you also get this lingering sense of, you know, they don't really know how to deal with it or how to really engage with it. Mm. And I feel like there's a, you, you know, you can you can read that into the performances. And I found that quite surprising for, you know, a Hollywood, you know, holiday movie. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought that was that was interesting. Yeah, that sounds really intriguing. And it's an amazing cast. I mean, I'm I'm also surprised that I've never heard of it. Um yeah, I mean it. I mean it was one of the writers wrote uh, "Big Trouble in Little China." Oh my god! <laughs> and a few other, a few other things. In Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the seventies oh. version, which I've never seen. So, um, you know, it has got a bit of a, a bit of a filmography, shall we say? And yeah, um, yeah. you know, I've not actually seen any other film Jodie Foster has directed, but I, I wasn't aware that many had a particularly great. Uh, reception but i think she did a pretty good job here particularly um you know i mean it, it's probably a, you know an actor's film and you know lots of people say that you know actor directors are very good at directing actors and uh but you can tell that she has really worked with everyone to create these characters that um just feel really authentic and feel like you can you can read quite a lot into them than what you actually see on on screen um and yeah, I mean, like Anne Bancroft, I, di I didn't even know really anything she was in after the 80s. So um, it was quite fun to see her um, her in a sort of later career role, probably around the age that Mrs. Robinson should have been in the <laughs> grand 
um, because yeah. she was only like 32 at the time or something like oh, that. Oh, God, don't. Yeah. I don't think it's a perfect film, and, and sometimes it maybe gets a bit too sort of chaotic and loose for its own good. Um, but but by the end, I was like, there is something to it. And also, that I mean, there's this bit with like home movies that are... There's a quite a, a touching scene with the dad watching some home movies and and talking about you know um, his kids when they were younger uh, in a way and it was quite moving and then there's this kind of visual home movie um, kind of thing that's repeated towards the end of the film and just as like a visual choice um, a very directory sort of choice I was like that is quite moving the way that you've kind of tied that together. You've kind of tied this family together and the way that you're dealing with, you know, memory and, you know, the things that the history that ties family together, even while, you know, there's all these fractures going on. Um, so yeah, I, you know, good job, Jodie Foster, basically. Hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to put that on my list, I think for next year. Cause I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty booked up with Christmas films uh for this year um but yeah i'm gonna try and track it down because it sounds really interesting have you seen um the family stone oh i feel like i might have caught like half an hour of it once on tv but i've never seen it the whole way through for sure that's because i saw that for the first time last year because my friend ben is like a really big fan of it and a really big fan of um Rachel McAdams, um, and yeah, that's that's an, that's definitely the a film that Home for the Holidays reminded me of the most, and and Happiest Season actually, because it has, but like Happiest Season, it has the outsider going into the family unit, mm. you know, having to deal with the craziness. Um, but uh, yeah, that's an, I, I don't think that was quite as good, but I did find it interesting that it also had Claire Danes in it uh, ten years later, and wondering where was her twenty tens, you know holiday movie carol which brings us back to christmas movies yeah um that's a great christmas movie if i was actually going to say what is like the actual best movie that could count as a christmas movie like that might be up there even though i hadn't really thought of it as a christmas movie Uh, so that's interesting so like i like carol but it's not my favorite todd haynes at all um i'd probably have to go safe I'm not there, then maybe Carol, it might just break my top three. Mm. Um, so, um, more from heaven. Yes. And I like that too. I, I mm, Carol would probably edge out far from heaven just because mm. I think far from heaven is such a Douglas Sirk pastiche. Mm. Whereas Carol is him kind of finding his own way of telling that kind of story in a way that feels less referential. Mm um stylistically you know um so i think carol would probably edge out far from heaven for me although i think they're both great mm-hmm. um but still like as far as todd haynes's filmography goes like safe and i'm not there definitely above carol for me i think maybe it's because like i was dra- uh, so I, I saw carol with my dad and he loved it and uh, he like dragged me back to watch it and then I ended up watching it again not that long afterwards at like a 
I was doing like this film course where they didn't tell you in advance what you were going to watch. So I ended up watching it like a third time in like not that long afterwards. And I think I just kind of got to a point where I felt a little bit like oversaturated with it, maybe. Mm. And I think also like uh, Kate Blanchett, I mean, I think she'd worked with Woody Allen not that long before or after that, maybe. I, yeah. I, can't, I can't remember exactly when Blue Jasmine was, but I think I was feeling a little bit, like, uh, complicated towards Kate Blanchett as well at the time because of that. So I think that that kind of maybe coloured my feelings about it a little bit. Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Do I have anything I would like to plug? Um, no? Or Well, I mean, obviously, anyone who wants to follow me on Letterboxd, it's Johnny MMR. That's basically all I have to plug. Excellent. Is that uh, okay? Of course uh, it is. I mean, what else, what else can one plug? Basically, yes, because, you know, I'm fine writing my little reviews and getting one like. Mm-hmm. Um, but if anyone else wants to follow me, you know. Seriously, I know. And I work I work so hard on my reviews. Oh my god. I have a Scrivener file for my reviews and I think it's just the second half of twenty twenty and I checked the word count on it and it was like seventy two thousand words that I have written just since June on my film reviews and I get like I mean, I think that my record number of likes is like five on anything. It's like it's so sad. Two dissertations, isn't it? Uh, yeah, basically. I mean, I'm doing a practical dissertation, so it's like ten dissertations for me. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, why have I spent my? Lo- I mean, why have I spent? Well, not what have I, else have I had to do in the last six months? To be fair, but still, yeah. it is I mean, ridiculous. I, I I basically didn't write reviews on that box before the pandemic hit, and now I have more time. All right. Well, thank you so much. And Johnny M M R. That's J O N N Y M M R. If I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yes. So <laughs> the same. follow. Yeah. Follow Johnny on Letterboxd mm-hmm. and follow me on Letterboxd at Panicky in the UK and the link will be in the description, etc. Um, all right. Thanks for coming on and um, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Hope you enjoy all the Christmas movies. Thank you. Yeah. And thanks for introducing me to a new one. That's cool. very cool. Well, a Thanksgiving one, but you know, whatever. All right. Well, I hope to talk to you again soon. It's been too long. Yes. Speak to you soon for sure. Wow. All right, my friends, that's it for this episode of Panicky Pictures. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Panicky Pictures and on Letterboxd at Panicky in the UK, and the links will be in the description. I wish you happy holidays and a transformative new year. So, all that remains to say is this. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the Yuletide gay. Next year, all our troubles will be miles away. Once again, as in olden days, happy golden days of yore, faithful friends who are dear to us will be near to us once more. Someday soon we all will be together, if the fates allow. Until then, we'll have to muddle through somehow. So, hang a shining star upon the highest bough, and have yourself a merry little Christmas, now.